Well, good morning. How's everyone today? Good to see you guys. Happy Father's Day. Probably heard it 150 times today. Um, but it's good that you're here today. Uh, God's really good. Awesome time of worship. And um, I just want to take a second and welcome any guests we have here, uh, those who are joining by live stream. We, uh, we're just so honored that you take the time to join with us, where, no matter where you're at. It's awesome to have you with us. Um, and I just want to say something uh, powerful today. You know, sometimes Father's Day can be a, a challenge for some of us because there's not always great fathers out there, you know. Some of us, you know, grew up in a situation, and I, sh uh, you know, some of us grew up in a situation where it was an unhealthy situation, you know. And you think of Father's Day, and you're like, maybe I shouldn't even go to church. I don't want to celebrate that, you know, this game for you during Father's Day or Mother's Day. But I, I just want you to say that you are loved, you know, and there are fathers in this place um, that could be a father to you on earth, you know. Um, and, and I want you to just receive comfort that God is, God is amazing and he could bring healing to your heart if there's brokenness there. Uh, he's an awesome, awesome God. And so we, uh, we're in a series now. We're in the middle of a series, third week. This is our third week called The Vision. And our whole hope during this series is to make the vision clear. If you came expecting a Father's Day message, I do not have a Father's Day message for you, okay? Typically, I don't really emphasize Father's Day and Mother's Day messages on those days. Um, we do honor the moms and dads, but we, you know, we also are going after things, and so this is what we feel uh, is for us for this season. So we want to share with you what we see God calling us to as a church. We want to communicate with you why we're here. Have you ever asked that question, why bother going to church? I mean, what is the difference anywhere? You know, wh why does it make a difference? And maybe you've thought that way. Maybe you've thought, you know, what is the big deal? I can love God from home. I can listen to a message on uh, CD, online, uh, however, and, you know, and I can read my Bible and pray and everything's good. Why bother? Well, I want to address that question to you today and with you today. And, and, and I want to really share with you one of our values. So we've sort of gave a big picture two weeks ago of the vision. And, and then we've been covering the values, what we feel are our core values as a church. And I view the values as sort of like a guardrail driving down the road, you know. Guardrails are good because if you go off the road, they keep you at least uh, from going into the woods or off the cliff or whatever, uh, whatever's on the other side of the road, guardrails. So values, in a sense, keep us focused on the mission ahead. They keep us focused on what we're going after, and they define uh, the things that matter to us as a church. So today I want to talk to you about the value, and you heard Mary sh share it, that we are a family like no other. I want to talk to you about what that means, why that matters. And so um, before I get into the message, I want to take care of some family matters, okay? Uh, first of all, we have someone moving out of the area, a family member leaving. And so I want to just have uh, Dr. Christina stand. She completed her residency and, and now is leaving for her fellowship, uh, Columbia, I think it's Columbia University, 
I tried to memorize all this stuff, but we just want to pray for her and uh, send her off. So she's been in Syracuse. It's been an honor to have her around and get to know her. And uh, she's amazing. So we just bless you. So let's just pray for her for a second, okay? Father, we just thank you so much for Christina. And we bless her life, God, where she goes, what she's doing, who she connects with, her friends, um, the people, the coworkers you surround her with. God, I, I pray that you plug her into a healthy place in the workplace, but also a healthy church, God, that she could be a part of, um, a committed part of. So we just bless her. We thank you for the privilege of having her here over the last several years. And, and we ask, God, that, um, that you richly bless her life. And I just ask that you surround her with favor and grace, God, all the days of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, I also want to just acknowledge it's always an honor to have team, our friends from Team Challenge here. You guys are amazing, going after God. And this last uh, family matter is a personal family matter. Um, it is an awesome honor to have my brothers and sisters here. Uh, we're having sort of a family get-together today, so I'm the youngest of nine, and I have seven of, my, uh, seven of us siblings out of nine are here today. Um, it's amazing to have you guys. Yeah. See, they're going to hold me to the truth. I can't shade any stories or anything. You know what I mean? Oh, but it's good. It's good to be um, in the house of God. That's what David said. You know, he, he loved going to the house of God. And, and so I want to sort of um, discuss that and talk about that as it relates to God's, God's plan for the local church and really our heart. What do we see this church being? Because, you know, I, I run into people all the time. Some of them come from different places and different churches and uh, all that stuff. And I can be honest with you, not every church is a good church. There's people that come with church hurt, church wounds, uh, brokenness. There's sometimes people are very ugly and mean, you know, and... Um, we, we want to sort of shape the culture right here. I want to talk about the culture, where we're at and where we feel like God's leading us as a church moving forward. And, and I want to just talk to you about that and help you. First of all, I want, to, I want it to sort of become a seed in your heart because as you hear it, as you begin to receive it, I believe that God's going to help us individually uh, live it out so collectively we could be the kind of family of God that he's called us to be. And so that's, that's what I want to share with you as I talk about the concept of we are a family like no other. Do you know that from the beginning, God's plan was always to have a family? It, from the very beginning, it was, it was God, you know, God uh, breathed life into Adam. He gave him Eve. They started a family. He wanted them to multiply, be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And they were God's set-apart people. And, and then, you know, over time... Uh, God began to call Abraham and different people to create a people that were set apart for God. They become, became the Israelites. They were known as the Israelites. And there was this struggle, this struggle in the Old Testament that's, you know, related to sin. And um, sometimes they were for God and with God. And other times this family that God was calling was against God and going after other things and pursuing other things apart from God. But Jesus came. 
to reveal the heart of the Father, to reveal who this Father really was. And he came to restore this family concept. He, he bought for God the Father a family by shedding his blood. And it made it pos- he made it possible for us to be in right relationship with God. You know, apart from having our sin dealt with, we were, you know, we were uh, living in darkness. We were opposed to God, the Bible tells us, right? But Jesus uh, made it possible for us to have a right, healthy relationship with God. So God's concept is family. God's concept, God's idea, it's God's idea that family as it relates to spiritual matters, exists, that people are are gathered together, they meet together, they love one another. So I want to talk about all those today. And I want to just start off by saying that being a part of a church family matters. Why does it matter? I I listed a few things that I thought would be helpful. Uh, The first one is you you cannot fulfill the purposes of God alone. You know, he didn't call any lone rangers or any... Uh, anyone to just go after things alone and, you know, be isolated and separated and, and not connected to the body of Christ. I ran into yesterday. Yesterday we did some inner city ministry. Our inner city ministry, one of them is called Feed the City. And what we do there is we take bags of groceries and diapers into our city just to be a blessing to people who may have need. Uh, we also do, we also pray for people and and see what God does, and he always does amazing things. He shows up and and touches people's lives profoundly. Well, I ran into this woman named Vanessa. And this woman, she was an amazing woman. And and usually I never ask this question. I have no idea why I asked this question. But I said, hey, are you a part of a local church? I don't ask that question typically. Uh, Are you a part of a local church? And she says, no, and I have my reasons why, and I'd rather not talk about it. And I'm like, okay. She was very kind when she said that, okay? But I knew, to me, it was like this wall went up around her, like this fortress. Don't go there with me. And to me, without hearing anything further, I knew that she came from a place where she had been hurt. She'd been wounded. She walked away licking her wounds. She, you know, she may be still carrying some unforgiveness or hurt that has yet to be healed in her life, you know? And the reality is there's probably even people in this room like that. But the bottom line is that we've got to find a way to get healing and move forward because God has called us to be a family. So so you can't fulfill the purposes of God apart from being around other people. Look at what uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this, and you'll see it on the screen. If you have the church app, you can look it up in your notes. Um, it says this, and this is sort of being, I'm bringing you into the middle of the story, but he's sort of trying to prove the need for, that we have for one another. And it says this, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, it says, even so the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And there's other places that the scripture sort of alludes to the idea that, you know what, how, how could, and I'm just going to sort of make it, make it up now at this point, I'm not quoting scripture, but, you know, how could the hand say, I have no part, uh, I have no need for you to the finger, you know? Because the, the hand, part of the whole function 
is necessary. They, these parts of the body need each other, you know? And so uh, what my father-in-law says I don't, sometimes is, you know, you cut off the, the pinky finger. And watch how long that lives. Watch how useful that is, right? You see, we, we need each other. Paul's writing to the church, and he says, the body, you, you know, we need each other. When one part doesn't work, we've got problems. Think about your own body, you know? That foot stops working, you've got trouble, right? If your ears stop working, there's, there's a problem. You, you can equate it to your car, you know? If one, one tire doesn't want to spin, we've got problems. Your car's not going to function right. And so it, we, we need each other. The body fits together to form a unit that functions. And even so with the local church, when God has given us a, a vision to accomplish the local church, uh, you know, there's, there's so many gifts in this room today. There's many people that haven't come today, but there's, as a part of those who call this church their home, there's so many gifts and so many abilities. And if some people say, oh, I don't need those people over there, the body is lacking. Do you understand this? The body is lacking because those gifts uh, are not included as part of the body. So you were, you were created to be part of a family. You're created to be uh, knit together as part of a family, not living uh, a self-centered life. And I want to just share with you four quick thoughts that, I, re- that I, I think can sort of help shape our mindset of the culture that we want to see here at Faith Chapel. Years ago, when we were asked to start leading this church, my wife and I, we began to sit down and just dream. And we were writing down things. We were trying to capture thoughts like, what is it that we want this church to look like in five or ten years. What is it that matters to us? And, and so I want to share with you what what I think the church can look like. And I think we've come a long, long way. We do got a ways to go, but I think we've come a, a long, long way. So when I think of uh, the church, the local church, this church as a family, here are some thoughts that I think of. The first one is that people belong. People have a place to belong. There's an environment there where people can be loved. It's a safe place. It's an accepting place. You know, it's, it's, it's healthy. Whenever you get any group of people together, naturally there can be issues. And I want to I talk about that as we move forward. But we want this place to be safe in the sense that your heart feels protected. You know, that you feel accepted no matter what you bring to the table. Your ideas, your thoughts, your differences, who you are as a person, uh, you can belong here. I I want people to walk in the door of this place and feel like that's a place I could belong. You know, time and time again, we hear from first-time people, you know, I walked in that place, and it just felt like home. I can't describe it any other way. It just felt like home. And it reminds me of what my wife always says when people walk in the door of our house. She's like, make yourself at home. If you need to go in the refrigerator, go in the refrigerator. This place, just I want you to be comfortable. Make yourself at home. And that's the same thing that we would say here at Faith Chapel, that people can belong. We are all in process like we talked about last week, right? We're all in process. We're all moving in a direction to become more like Jesus. We have not arrived there yet, you know? And, and we all got junk that we're dealing with, right? You know, we have good days and bad days. We've got junk. We don't have to pretend or play games. You know, uh, but we are in process and we're going after the things that God has for us. 
So I, I want this place to be a place that people belong. John writes in chapter 13. This is what he says. He says, I, a new command I give to you. Love one another. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Now, this is Jesus speaking in the book of John. And he drops this heavy bomb. The same way I loved you, he says, I want you to love each other. Now, if you begin to think about that, Jesus, you know, he paid the greatest price possible to express love. The greatest price possible was to lay down his life. He comes to earth. He's, he's fully God, fully man. He lives this sinless life. You know, and he could have had these thoughts. He could have, why would, I, why would I sacrifice my life for these scum over here? You know, why would I lay my, down my life for these people that really have no desire to know God? That have no passion to seek God. But he knew laying down his life would pave the way for God to form a family. You see, the Bible says that every, every human being is made in God's image. And really, God is just going after his kids. Some of us have had wayward kids, right? They go this way, they go that way, they do their own thing, they don't listen to their parents, you know, they break their parents' hearts. And it's sort of the same thing, like we're going after, we want our kids back. That's God's heart. And so Jesus came to fulfill that, to make that possible by laying down his life and forgiving sin. And then he says to us, this is a new command. I want you to love one another the same way I've loved you. Now, he's not asking us to die on the cross. Don't, don't get it that way. We don't have to go to the cross. That was accomplished once for all. But he is asking us to be selfless, to be loving, right, to be accepting. The cross made a way for one and all to come to God. It didn't matter age. It didn't matter ethnicity. It didn't matter um, economic status, education, titles. Everyone's equal at the cross, right? And so God, Jesus is saying through John, the writer, the author, he's like, as I have loved you, you must love one another. Now look at the rest of this verse, verse 45. It says, by this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And I take that as saying this. You've got to get it right when you're together. You, you, you've got to get it right collectively before the world can see the power of love. The power of love is amazing. It's transforming. It changes the world. And the church, the church has to make that its number one priority is to go after this thing. It, it seems to have been a barrier. It seems to have been a struggle. And I get it. We, we are in process but we can't lay down this thing and say, well, that someday we'll love one another. No, he's saying we need to love one another. And we need to be able to see people through God's eyes. You know, uh, we've got to lay down the, the concept of judgment because people aren't like us. They don't have what we have or they don't look the way we look or they think differently than us. He's saying he, did, he doesn't talk. He doesn't even talk about that. He's just saying, I want you to love one another. This is what's going to change the world. That's what he's saying. Love will change the world. And so this place needs to become and be, and I think we're doing really good. We've got a ways to go, but I think we're doing really good. It needs to become 
and be a place where people belong. You know, if, if someone's a guest, uh, I could tell you two different very quick stories of visiting churches. When we moved back to the area, my wife and I, um, we were looking for a church. And one church, we, were, we had hit probably four or five churches, I think, at that time. And um, one of the churches, they were overwhelcoming to the point where they made us feel uncomfortable. Like everyone had to meet us. Everyone had to welcome us. Everyone had to hug us. And it was like they're desperate. Hey, there's fresh blood here. Finally. And that was a little bit too much. And so I want, I want to just teach for wisdom's sake a little caution. We want to welcome people. We want to make them feel loved. We want this place to feel safe. But not everyone walking the, in the doors of a church is the same. Right? Some people are a little skittish. Some people may be coming in wounded. Some people, you know, may be leery of church. You, you never know. So I, we've got to read people well, you know. It's powerful when you can read people, their, their reactions. You know, social, the ability to uh, adjust socially is important. Watch their eyes. Watch their uh, nonverbal actions. Watch how they, you know. Some people don't want a hug, okay. I had a professor in uh, grad school tell me, she's like, why do pastors try and hug everyone? She's like, she said, don't you know that most women have been sexually abused? They do not want someone to touch them, especially a male. I'm like, wow, that was an eye-opener for me. Yeah, so we've got to be careful. We want to be welcoming, loving um, to guests, but we, we also want to celebrate guests, right? We don't make them stand out. When you think about a, a, a family, you know, some of the things that we celebrate are additions, right? When, when additions happen, births, adoptions, marriages, those are some of the greatest parties we have, right? When, whenever there's family being added. And so it, it's amazing when family is added to, we welcome people, right? We don't shut the door on them. You know, uh, you're not welcome. We, we, we welcome them. We, we want people to be a part. And I want to say this also as, uh, you know, as it relates to people belong is this, that love should exist despite imperfections. You know, we all got that one family member. I see I'm talking indirectly to my family over here, but um, I'm just kidding. We all got that one family member, you know, like they're hard to put up with, hard to deal with. But listen to me, as a culture of acceptance, we should love people for who they are and where they're at. I love this verse in Colossians. This is what it says, Colossians 3. It says this, bear with one another. <laughs> that's, that's all I need to read right there. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And I don't, I, I could spend a lot of time teaching on this particular verse, but I, I, I just want to point out this idea of bearing with one another. I, I looked up, there's some other, other translations that say a little differently that I think could sort of help us grasp what is being written here by Paul. Uh, make allowance for another's faults. Another one said, tolerate, weak, tolerate the weaknesses of someone else, you know. And I want us to see the reality is every one of us have faults and weaknesses. 
we're oblivious to our own, but we see the faults and weaknesses of others, right? And we're all imperfect. But no one's imperfection should keep them from being a part of the family, right? We're a family like no other. So should so I, I desire, I have the vision to see a church where people belong. And I think this is totally biblical. God doesn't pick and choose who can be a part of his family, right? The Bible, the Bible tells us that he longs for all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Everyone. You know, he doesn't pick by age and, and all these different categories. He, he's throwing, he wants people to be a part of his family. So a place where people belong. Also a place where relationships develop. Uh, there's, there's something amazing that happens when people do feel safe. And, and I long for this to be a place where, where people are meeting. You know, hey, come over for dinner. We're having a cookout. Let's, let's hang out together. And, and relationships develop naturally. We also have ways to help facilitate that. After every service, we offer coffee. We want people to hang out, meet each other, get to know each other, grow in relationships uh, with each other. We're going to have some amazing summer events that we're getting ready to announce. And we also have groups, something powerful about groups. It's almost like a small nuclear family unit. When people meet together, spend a lot of time together, they, they learn to fall in love with each other and, and connect and stay connected. It's powerful. Um, but what happens is relationships develop. The Bible says that iron sharpens iron. I want you to see a, a verse here. In First John, in First John chapter three, verse sixteen, it says this: "This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. And when we begin to, when we begin to love like God talks about loving, you know, uh, sacrificial love, caring for one another, meeting the needs." of one another, their relationship grows. Iron sharpens iron. And, and there's something amazing that happens when people feel safe enough to be vulnerable. It's powerful. When people begin to share what they've been through and get healing in those areas and, you know, get a hold of the mission. And we're, let's go after this thing together. You know, let's, 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 and we can, we can encourage one another, strengthen one another, go after the things of God together. Um, and, and also, in the midst of those relationships, I, I believe that many in here have, have stepped into this realm, which I love. And that is, you know, the Bible talks about mothers and fathers, spiritual mothers and fathers. And those who are mature and experienced and been through it, helping younger people, building those kind of relationships that help younger people in the faith to grow. And there's such a need for that. You know, we're not here to do self-serving Christianity. We're here to change the world, right? And we've been given the Spirit of God. He's, it says the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in every follower of Jesus, lives in you. There's something powerful there. I would just encourage you, be open to relationships. Be open to going deeper with people, you know? Um, it's amazing. Here's the third thought that I have as it relates to us being a family like no other. And that's this. Challenges are overcome. 
When, when uh, This can be a place where challenges are overcome. Relationally, challenges are overcome. Did you ever see a family? And, and this, I think, happens so often. I love, I love to see this trait in families. When there's something going on in the family, families rally together to overcome whatever that one individual is going through. Could be someone lost a job. Someone needs help fixing their house. You know, uh, th- there's sickness and there's, there's help needed there. It could be, you know, it, it could be even in the younger kids, like a bully picking on one of the kids. All of a sudden, the family rallies around. You, you understand what I'm saying? There's something amazing that happens when the family says, wait, th- we're not going to allow this person to be isolated and stand on their own as they go through this mess in life. As they go through this struggle in life, we're going we're gonna to come around them. We're going to stand with them, and, and we're going we're gonna to help them through this period of time. I love seeing that rise up in families, and, and it's, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And I do want to say this. Uh, adversity can expose the health or weakness of a family. You know, and when, when someone's going through stuff or a family's going through stuff, you begin to see, is this family strong or is this family weak? Are they, are they struggling? Are they standing uh, with one another. And, and this is such a cool trait as well. No matter the amount of disagreement, I've seen family members that you haven't talked to in three, four years, all of a sudden there's a need and they're on the spot. You know, there's a disagreement. They're, they don't really talk all that much. They're not doing great relationally, but because they're a part of the family, they're just on the spot. They're there. They're, they're, they're taking care of the needs of the moment. They overlook the disagreement. Does any, has anyone ever seen a family like this? Well, if you haven't, this is, we want to see this here at this church, okay? Because I believe that as a, as a church family, um, a healthy church family is going to band together to overcome obstacles. And maybe there's no obstacles within, but there's certainly obstacles without. I mean, we live in a, in a city that's got great poverty. You know, are we, we just can't stand back and watch this continue. Our, our city's dilapidated. Our city's broken. Our city has great needs. And we could just sit and point the finger and say, man, that's, look at that. That's horrible. You, you believe that? Or we can rise up as a family and say, we're going to come together and make a difference somehow. I feel like that's why we're here, right? I feel like that's why we're together. Like, let's do something. Let's, let's make a difference. This is a part of the vision. I, I think we need to be healthy within to make a difference without. I think that's so important. And so as it relates to imperfections and differences, you know, it's a good time to deal with those. It's a good time to address stuff that's in our hearts. It's a good time to say, listen, you know, I'm offended at you. I've held unforgiveness in you. There's there's some bitterness in my heart. Let's can we can I just share with you? I want to deal with this. I want to get this out. I want to unite with you. See, the enemy has a way of just getting in and sort of meddling to bring division, bring brokenness, bring wounds to people so that they never really fulfill what God has called them to do. We just got to see that. We don't have to be stupid or foolish about it. We need to see it that, you know, um, he's going to work to bring division. Families rally together to overcome challenges. 
Here's the rest of that verse that I shared earlier in 1 John chapter 3. It says this, if anyone, and this is just going after one particular area of coming together. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? That's sort of like an ouch word, isn't it? Ouch. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. You know, I'm tired of the church being really good at talking. You know, I could tell you this, and I could tell you, I could quote you scriptures, and I could tell you God desires to do this, but I do nothing with my faith. I make no difference in the world that I live. And this is what we're seeing here. John's writing, listen, we can, we need to love with words. Uh, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Like, it's trying to put the rubber to the road and make a difference. And in this church, we, it's, it's, it comes down to rallying around one another. Like I said, this is just one aspect of need. You know, someone has a need. We want to help them. And I'm also not trying to play into the poverty mentality where someone's just taking advantage of someone else because someone has more than them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to advocate for that. I'm just saying if there's a legitimate need, we should have our ears open to see, hey, is there something I could do about that and take action? You know, does this make sense? Are, are we on board? Is this the kind of church you want to be a part of? I'm trying to make it clear because if it's not, there are good churches outside of this one in the area. You know what I mean? I mean, we'll love you, uh, but I, I want to make it clear who we are and what we're going after. And so um, the kind of church where challenges are overcome. Healthy churches band together. Unhealthy churches have this all this infighting, all this bickering, all this fighting that's going on. They turn on each other and they fall apart. You hear about church splits. You hear about all this stuff. And, and we're going to rally around each other. And we're going to go after the things that God has called us to go after. Here's my last thought related to being a family like no other. And that's this. God's presence is celebrated. God's presence is celebrated. There's something so amazing about encountering the presence, the awesome, amazing love of God together. I remember my wife and I in 2015 went down to Pennsylvania. There was this three-week school that we went to. Um, and there were people there, probably like 100 people from all different nations, all different states from America, all different places. And for three weeks, we were just, you know, we were in this intense training. We were going after the things of God and encountering God. And I can tell you in that short three-week period, these people, I was saying goodbye to them. They felt like family to me. You know, there's something powerful about encountering the things of God together. There's something powerful about having God do amazing things in your midst. And when you go after the things that he's called you to do, to see the accomplishments that you're able to do uh, in the name of Jesus. It's amazing. And so God's presence is celebrated. Listen, the last thing I want you to do is gather around a person. You're not here to see me or hear from me. You may be here to see my wife or hear my wife. You know what I'm saying? But, but no, seriously, that's just a joke. <laughs> She's shaking her head at me. 
maybe I should have got there. We are here to encounter God, right? We're here to encounter God and the things of God. And when we do, it sort of, it has this amazing supernatural way to band us together, to unite us, to knit us together. And all those petty little things seem to fall to the wayside. You know, when God's purposes are being accomplished, when God's will is being done, all this little stuff, you know, there's no time for that. There's no time for gossip and backbiting and being upset that someone didn't say hi to you or, you know, you being forgotten and something. Let's just go after the things of God, you know. Have a conversation with the person if something happens. Let's get over it. But people leave church over petty things. And we have a greater mission. We want to celebrate God. We want to celebrate his presence. And we want to see him do great things in our midst, you know. And just know the enemy works overtime to try and keep us from accomplishing uh, those things. So, you know, like I said earlier, in God's presence, God's invitation is one for all. What Jesus accomplished uh, was for all people. So this place, our dream is that it's filled with every tribe, every tongue, every nation, people from all over the place, people with different backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, diversity, age, you know, um, different levels of education, different economic statuses. That is a church to me that represents heaven. That's a church to me that represents heaven. You read the Bible in the book of Revelation, it tells us what that, what that day will look like, right? Well, why can't we have heaven on earth? Why can't we have a church that's filled because we welcome people, we love people well, um, with all that diversity? Wouldn't that be amazing? It would be so enriching. It would be so healthy. It would be so dynamic. And we, wouldn't, we shouldn't fall short of, of thinking that, you know, we, we've got the, the market cornered on this thing. We want to see God's presence celebrated. We gather here on Sundays. Not because it's just an American cultural thing. We gather here to encounter God. That's why we're here. And I want to just close with a few thoughts here today. So those are my four thoughts related to what I'd love to see our church be and become. But every one of us in this room has a decision to make how we're going to play the part to be to fulfill that. Because, you know, God's called us to be a family like no other. A family like no other. And here's one thought that I have. It would be amazing if you decided right now, today, in your heart, to say, you know, there's a lot of people in this room I don't know. There's a lot of people in this church that it'd be cool to get to know. Well, why don't you make it a goal by the end of the year to have at least one new meaningful relationship with somebody? Why don't you make it a goal to say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go out of my way. I'm going to invite someone to lunch or to coffee or hang out. And I'm going to try and spend time with that person because I want to get to know him. I want to get to know her. Some of you who are un, uh, unmarried, I just want to encourage you. Come on, man. I'm not trying to embarrass anyone, but some of you guys need to take a step in the right direction. You know, take a risk. I don't know. 
this is not premeditated. This is sort of just rolling. I'm probably going to get corrected for this afterwards. <laughs> but I love when two people connect and they belong together. And sometimes it's just nerves that get in the way of, you know, taking that step. Take that step. Find that person. There's amazing people here in this church. But let's be the kind of people that learn to love well, that go after it. If there's, if there's anything in the way, man, deal with it so that we could be a family like no other. Can you imagine, you know, can you imagine in this room the kind of relationships that could develop if we just go after these things? We just, we just, we just let that stuff fall to the wayside. You know, uh, there's empty nesters in this room. Maybe there's some people that are soon to become empty nesters. Why don't you get to know them and help them out? Help them through the process. Young families, there's so many amazing young families. Build strong, solid relationships with one another. You can serve one another, help each other out, and grow. Uh, raise your kids together. That's amazing. And every other uh, grouping of people in here, let's be the kind of people that are relational connecting with one one another, not walking by people, ignoring them, loving one another as Christ has loved us. That's about all I have today. <laughs> I want to just say happy Father's Day to you. I want to I pray for you as we close. Um, and we will have coffee out in the atrium if you want to hang out out there. Um, we do ask, because there's going to be a ministry team up here, many times people come to receive ministry, that um, as you leave, you leave quietly so people who are receiving ministry can do so uninterrupted. Um, but if you're here today, I've been talking about this family concept, and you've never truly, you've never truly, you, you've heard about it, you've skirted around it, but you've never truly made an intentional decision to join the family of God. This is, this is an important day for you. I, I want to just challenge you. What are you waiting for? I mean, Jesus Christ offers so much in the realm of forgiveness and relationship with the Father, um, laying aside shame and guilt. You know, a lot of times people think, I can do this on my own. I've got this. You know, how are you going to deal with your sins before God? A good person does not get you into heaven. Being a good person does not get you into heaven. You can be the kindest, most generous, loving person on the face of the planet. That does not take care of your sins. There'll be a day you stand before Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, he, right now, this moment, offers forgiveness for your sins. You can be in right relationship with God because of the gift that Christ offers. I challenge you, invite God into your heart today. Invite God into your heart. Today's that day. Today could be an amazing day. Would you stand to your feet as we close in prayer? If you have questions about that, we'll have people up here that would, be, would love to answer questions related to that, or I personally can answer those questions for you. But today's an amazing day to serve God and love God and acknowledge Him as Father. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today. We thank you, God, for the amazing vision you've given us, Lord. And Father, we want to see in this place, amongst these people, the kind of relationships that you talk about in Scripture, that we love one another, we serve one another, we sacrifice for one another, that we demonstrate to the world that there is a God that 
this group of people can love each other. It's got to be supernatural if that happens. So we trust you with this, Lord. And we give you all the praise, Lord, and we love you. We thank you for what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We love you.